Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. It's a Thursday, the eve of Christmas Eve. Thursdays we're at Silver 7's. Awesome spot. We expect another big crowd to be down here. Tons of listeners show up each and every week. Good prizes. We'll give you the details on those. And then 77-cent beers once the NFL game starts. And it's a big game. Titans and Niners. Adam Candy is here. Cofield, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Just a little public service announcement. In this town, when it rains and it's near the holidays, it's lunacy out there. It is crazy. Just, just, just a helpful hint. When it's raining and it's approaching dusk, it's not that easy to see. Candy, changing lanes, and just clearing the car in front of you by the uh, width of a witch's you-know-what. Not safe. Not safe. So everyone, responsibly, change lanes, merge into traffic. It's dangerous out there. I know everyone's in a hurry, seriously. Don't get into a stupid fender bender because you're in a hurry. You can wait the couple extra seconds. And I will also say, if you're changing lanes and you get honked at, right, because you just cleared someone, because you waited until the last second to change lanes, and you get honked at, um, if you're jaywalking in the rain, and you get honked at. As you get mad, turn the anger inwards. It's your fault. The rest of us are just trying to send you a message. It's your fault. Right, Candy? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas <laughs> yes, from yes. Steve Kofi. Yes. It's a happy day out the there. The most days jolly man on radio. Huh? I've got my Santa hat on. I'm ready to go. Um I'm just, you know, I just want everyone to be safe. It, it is, it's, uh, it's treacherous out there, and I know on a day like today, everyone's trying to get everything done last minute. So just uh, be careful. I get it. I understand. It just makes me think back to a friend of mine that I used to work with at the Las Vegas Sun years ago, who has gone on to become a big shot reporter in Washington D.C. And she came back to visit after being gone for a little while, and I'll, I'll use kid-friendly language, and she, uh, she said after. A year or so of being gone, she's like, "Wow, I've only been gone from Vegas for a year, and I forgot how to drive like an a-hole." Yeah. Like, yep, that's about right. So, I, I love you, Vegas. I love all of you out there, but uh, you, you have some interesting driving choices. And just be careful. And if that's a if person who went to DC is criticizing our driving, that's that's a message for you. So, we got big college football news coming down. First of all, if everything goes off, the college football playoff will be broadcast on like 300 channels on ESPN. And that's been fun in the past when they do like the coaches roundtable and there's some hardcore stuff on there. And then, you know, the fan broadcast with a homer from each side. Now, here's the deal. Are these games going to happen? Because frankly, Candy, what came out yesterday about forfeits, if they can't reschedule games that fall into peril, we're talking Cincy, Alabama, and Georgia, Michigan. What did you make of the forfeit threat? That we could have a champion via forfeit. I feel like I need to live up to JVT's criticism yesterday and just be like, eh, no big deal. <laughs> Let's, but, go uh, Let's go to break. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
Um, it's a relic of another era, Steve, really. I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. When it comes to COVID and forfeits now, in the end of 2021, when this Omicron, Omicron, whatever you want to call it, is proving damn near impossible to avoid for many schools, many teams, people in society, etc., the idea of losing a national championship on a COVID forfeit feels punitive. It feels like they did something wrong, or at least they're being told they did something wrong, when in reality, there's almost nothing anyone can do if they're going to be in a public setting that is going to avoid this entirely. You can talk about vaccination and boosting, and yes, I'll say very loudly, I'm both. But that doesn't mean that I can't get it. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't test positive, And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be, if I were in the situation these kids are, out of a game and out of a chance for a national championship. I think it's a good threat. I think it sends the message. I, I got to tell you, Greg Sankey, if an SEC team was forced to forfeit Alabama or Georgia, Sankey is rolling over in his grave. Because he might croak on sight. This will not happen. They will reschedule if there's an issue for New Year's Eve. It's ridiculous to say otherwise when you have so much space around these games, right? Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's start with this. It continues to be absolute insanity for anyone who lives in a town that doesn't suck to have the games on New Year's <laughs> Eve. It's the worst. If, if you I hate it! A, if you live in a crap town and there's nothing to do, Joy you Noel, I'm so happy for you. You get something to do. If you live in a place where there's actual things to do like here, then you don't want to deal with being stuck for six or seven hours. There are other days to play it. But to the point of COVID, there's two weeks between the semis and the national championship. There's time. There's been time. But you know what, Steve? If there's not time, I think what we could do is do some sort of like American Gladiator style competition among the five and six and seven teams to see who gets the spot. What do you think? Not a bad idea. Yeah. Let's come up with something, right, <laughs> to take our mind off of COVID and possible cancellations. I'm hoping we're going to have a Pro Bowl. Uh, the honor's out there. Very cool day yesterday for several Las Vegas Raiders is Max Crosby and A.J. Cole, Denzel Perriman. Are those surprise names for you, and are there names that were omitted that you thought would have been a guarantee before the season. It's just amazing to me that John Gruden, offensive guru, man who responsible for building this roster over three plus years, has zero offensive pro bowlers going. I think that's a sad state of affairs when it comes to what's going to happen to this roster going forward. That being said, Max Crosby is the greatest success story of the John Gruden era. A guy who was drafted in the middle rounds who has become one of the more dominant edge rushers in the league. And I'll say, I did not believe that this was a real thing. And I still think we're getting a little bit of Josh Allen peak here, where maybe the reality for Max Crosby is a little bit below what we're seeing this year. He's gone against a run of some bad, bad tackles. But you know what? He still put up the pressures. He has still put up the top PFF grade among edge defenders. And so that is hugely impressive uh, for Max Crosby. I'll tell you what, the, the one I'm kind of surprised by, I thought Daniel Carlson would be the kicker. I mean, I know Justin Tucker is Justin Tucker, and it's hard to ever unseat Justin Tucker, but Daniel Carlson's a hell of a kicker. Coming up, we're going to get into the Raiders-Broncos game. Both teams in a similar situation. What's going to happen in the future? Who's their quarterback? Can they make the playoffs this time around? Who's going to be the coach? We know 
Denver has a GM who's in place for a while in George Payton. We don't know about Mike Mayock's future. We'll cover all of that with former Bronco Ryan Harris. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. So here we go. Round two. Dead on. Yes! The Raiders' sideline explodes. I'll give a jackpot, partner. Jackpot, there you baby! Go. <laughs> Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the I legitimately think Brent so forgot. I think he forgot. I think he was so expecting, because he's been real salty as the Raiders have faltered down the stretch here. And I, I appreciate it, because not all play-by-play guys are super honest. They're a little bit afraid to offend the fan base. Brent does not care, and I think he forgot. Jackpot, baby! On the field goal. Good reminder there from Lincoln Kennedy. Brent has, I believe, what they refer to as F.U. money, and so, you know, (laughs) were he to lose that job, I don't think it would be the end of Mr. Musburger's career. Wow. Wouldn't it be nice to have F.U. money during the holidays? Ryan Harris is with us. He played for the Broncos. He's one of the voices of Notre Dame, how are you, sir? Steve, Adam, great to be with you again. Yes, 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 yes. Exciting times. Um, Distressing times, Ryan. I wanted to talk about uh, the bowl game coming up for Notre Dame, but uh, I got to get your take on the stern message sent out yesterday by the CFP folks that if uh, the final four teams can't play and they can't reschedule the game, we're going to have forfeits. Let's go, Notre Dame. Get in there, right? Uh, you know, I just think it's 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 brutal for the players, right? These kids and, and all of us. We, you know, COVID knows who's going to get it, what's going to happen. But yeah. to think that you could finally get to the Final Four and then have COVID wipe out your team after an extraneous season, and for many of them, an extraneous two seasons, um, that's just tough. And I, I would think that the college football playoff would have more flexibility, but TV contracts are TV contracts, and that's the that's the hidden elephant, the, the the giant elephant in the room that people aren't talking about. It's not necessarily college football or the these conferences. These networks, you know, don't want to move Christmas tree lightings and things like that. So, yeah. uh, so they got to play. It seems very punitive, and I don't know that we should be in punitive times anymore when it comes to COVID because, you know, the vaccinated are just as like you know likely to get. The virus says the unvaccinated. I thought this was all punitive to, you know, get the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. So you get where I'm going here. It just seems a little too harsh. And, and it's just unpredictable and inconsistent. And yeah. we as a people loathe inconsistency. And even the NFL and, and rescheduling games, you know, um, that inconsistency has really cost a lot of players frustration, fans too. At the end of the day, you know, we're mad at a virus we can't see. And, and the good news is, less people, you know, who are in athletics who are vaccinated are going to the hospital. And, and those things matter most. You know, uh, talking to a lot of players last year, I mean, you had a lot of linemen who met that obese category, right? I mean, every lineman. So just knowing that we know more and knowing that we can't do more, um, you know, I think it's just, just part of playing in the COVID era. And, and really, anytime you face something you can't control, you just have to worry on, on your process, focus on your process and, and do the best you can to be ready to perform. So Notre Dame's taking on Oklahoma State. I want you to talk about, as a former player, the, the challenge of dealing with the holidays, make sure you're focused for the game, and then obviously now, if you get to go celebrate the holidays, you got to be extremely careful around everyone you're going to be around. 
Well, yeah, I mean, my father just spent the last two months in the hospital, so he's coming out to visit, and so my wife and I did the home test, and it's just what we have to do to be good teammates right now, you know, and, and I caught it last year, and it was a brutal, it was brutal for me, and I'm a healthy guy. I'd like to think I'm getting ready for speedo season in seven months, you know, but it put me down, and I almost had to go to the hospital, so each person's different, and we got to do what we can to be a good teammate. Ryan Harris is with us. He played for the Broncos. This Broncos-Raiders game is fascinating on so many fronts because both teams still have life, but they haven't had the season they've wanted to. Raiders have faltered down the stretch. So what's the vibe right now around the Broncos as there could be so many changes on the way if they don't make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer are playing for their jobs, head coach and offensive coordinator, really all the coaches on the staff. Um, And you got Drew Locke starting at quarterback with an injured Teddy Bridgewater with his second concussion. So, Drew Locke shows flashes of being brilliant and then just makes very, very costly mistakes trying to play hero ball. And, of course, the last time he played the Raiders in Las Vegas through four picks. So, you know, uh, Broncos country is waiting with bated breath. And me as an analyst, I look at this game and I say, you know, who are these Raiders? You know, you you scored just over, what is it, 23 points the last two weeks. And uh, and you had that loss to Washington after the Cowboys win. And you got Max Crosby. Here's a guy who hasn't had sacks since October 17th against the Broncos. So it's like, what's happening over there with the Raiders? So as an analyst, it's really unusual. It looks like a turd bowl, but it's a bowl to fight for the playoffs. It's a game to fight for the playoffs. Yeah. All right, so which turd stinks less? <laughs> well, I, I, the Broncos defense here, to me, gets the edge. This is a top 10 defense, top 5 defense. Uh, second-best defense in the red zone behind the Patriots, second-best defense on third down behind the Indianapolis Colts. That's where games are won in December. And for that reason, I believe the Broncos will have the edge. And at the same time, you know, if if you can get Derek Carr to perform at a high level, there are a few teams the Raiders can't beat. So I like the Broncos in this one. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be low scoring. And uh, But, you know, that's why you play the game. You get to see it play out in front of you. All right, so the the Drew Locke factor and what you just mentioned where it's sort of YOLO ball, right? Like, you're going to take these chances, and maybe they work, and maybe they don't. Um, do you think that the game plan will be more conservative given the stakes, though? Do you think the Broncos are going to try to rely more on the running game because of what this game means? Well, you know, they should, as you have Javante Williams, top 10 rusher, and Melvin Gordon, and two of them in the top 15 in rushing yards. Also, Javante Williams has a hundred less carries than Jonathan Taylor and, and has just a few less yards. So an incredible run game um, for the Broncos, but they're going to be missing their center, Lloyd Cushenberry, who just got placed on the COVID-19 list. So that's going to play in. And, and whether it's conservative or not, my fear is that the Broncos will be predictable in their play calling. Play action pass on first down, uh, short runs on second down, and third and long. And that's really been the whole season and why the Broncos are 7-7. Seven and seven. So what do you think are the first moves that happen this offseason if this Broncos team does not make the playoffs? Or really, even if it does make the playoffs and flame out in the first round, uh, do you think the quarterback situation is first, or do you think it's something else? The quarterback situation is first. You need a quarterback that can get you downfield, take some chances. I mean, even at their best, Teddy Bridgewater and, and Drew Locke are the, third, are the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. Um, we, I've gotten reports that they're going to really go after Russell Wilson in the offseason, Aaron Rodgers as well, and everything shows that that's the, the way the Broncos are talking, the, the conversations I'm having behind closed doors, 
um, they're looking for the top veteran on the market in the free agency or in a trade, and uh, because they know. I mean, you got Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes at the top of the AFC West. You have to compete against those guys, and you have to get somebody who can make Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick look like the players that they uh, have been projected to be. So I love that game plan by the Broncos. Should the Raiders be thinking the same thing with their quarterback position? No, you got to – no. I mean, Derek Carr is one of the best quarterback, top ten quarterback in the NFL, if you ask me. And the, the issue for me watching the Raiders the last year and two years has just been urgency. We've talked about that before on this show. You know, I think it helped getting that head coach out of there. It had a six years, $60 million left. It's hard to be motivated, yeah. you know, on your fourth year of making, you know, $10 million after you've already made a bunch of money. So you need a coach to get in there. And to me, the hottest candidate is going to be Doug Peterson. The, one of two coaches who's beaten Tom Brady in the in the Super Bowl, a guy who who pounds Johnny Walker Blue walking into the locker room after winning the Super Bowl. He's got a ton of success, a ton of experience, and um, and between the, the the Jaguars, the the Raiders, and maybe the Broncos and and the Giants, he's going to be the highest in demand. And after that, I don't know if there are a lot of great head coaching candidates. What went wrong for Peterson in Philly? Management was forcing him to play somebody that he didn't think gave him a great chance to win. This is all my opinion. And you had an ailing Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, you know, and I give him a ton of credit. He got a concussion in the biggest game of his career in the playoff game and wasn't able to wasn't able to finish. So you had virtually he went to the playoffs twice with his backup in Nick Foles. Now it worked out beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but that next year in New Orleans it really kind of cost them and. uh and he didn't have the receiving core that you need to be competitive in the NFL. So that, to me, is what went wrong there. And he gracefully bowed out. There's, there, there are a few people in the NFL with more respect league-wide than Doug Peterson. And everybody in the NFL knows what, what, what happened, what went down, and, and what he was bound by as a coach in that organization. Do you give Mike Mayock one more year at GM to kind of prove, hey, that a lot of that wasn't me, it was Gruden and his personnel decisions? Well, it depends on how much money you owe him. Um, but let's be clear. I mean, Mayock, I mean, has he hit on draft picks? Josh Jacobs has been great. Um, you know, you had Henry Ruggs until you don't and, and didn't. Um, so you got to really look at how much has he given you after that first-round pick to fill in your roster and give you playmakers. You guys know that better than me, but that would be the conversation I'm having yeah. if I'm, I'm Mr. Davis. I mean, that's a great question is, was Gruden the guy mainly pulling the trigger on the first-round picks, which for the most part just have not worked out, and was Mayock the guy you know, nailing Max Crosby types and Hunter Renfro's in the middle of the draft? Right, and Hunter Renfro, I can't believe he didn't get named to the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's to me is, that to me is the biggest snub behind Matthew Stafford in the Pro Bowl this, that was announced today. How big a deal is the Pro Bowl honor for the players? Well, it's huge, you know, and, and for a lot of players, it's validation that they're one of the best. For all players, you have Pro Bowl clauses in your contract that, that hits you into an escalator. So some guys will make $5 million, some guys will make 500000 just for getting announced and playing in the game, announced on the, on the roster. All pros, the same thing. But, I mean, in the NFL, you're already the best of the best. But to be the elite of the elite, it's like being named Delta Force over the Navy SEALs. I mean, you are just capable of everything, and, and it also shows that all the hard work paid off. Hey, let's close where we started talking college football and safety. Um, I'm actually a Rutgers guy, so I'm kind of happy that Rutgers is slipping into a bowl game. But from a player standpoint, 
Is it safe when you haven't played in about a month? You haven't been practicing? Who knows what kind of fitness you've been working on in those three weeks? Or as a player, you're just like, screw it, man. I want to keep playing. Well, you got to remember, too, you're, you're in college, right? Yep. So what are you thinking at 19, 20, right? That's the majority of your team, 18, 19, 20 in college. So you got guys that just want an opportunity to be on TV, to get the bowl gift, you know? I mean, I was a broke player in college. And getting that PlayStation Portable was huge, man. You were rolling, you know what I mean? So bowl gifts, traveling, and you forget, 33% of people don't leave the city they were born. Um, So you get to go and see another part of the country, and that's something that players love as well. So it's great for players. And you're talking about young people who, you know, I always say you're never tired until you have kids. So (laughs) you got young people who who aren't tired, uh, who are ready for an opportunity and eager to learn about the world. Bowl games are a great way to do it. Who's looking for a last-second holiday gift? Uh, Ryan, talk about uh, your ability as an author. Uh, you have some good stuff out there. Yeah, check out my book, Mindset for Mastery, available on Amazon.com. Uh, for you or a young athlete in your world or if anybody feels stuck, it talk about how to choose your mindset, how I did it in my 10 years in the NFL, how it helped me win a Super Bowl, and how you have the opportunity every day to choose your mindset and create the life of your dreams. Yep, Amazon.com, paperback, 17 bucks, Kindle. I think it's $8. Ryan, have a great holiday. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adam. Go Irish. Big fan of that guy, Ryan Harris. And who the hell knows? He might be onto something. Uh-oh. Candy just gave the thumbs down after the after the. <laughs> that's, that's funny, man. That is, that, is, that is funny. Daily happy hour starts at 3 with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just two seventy seven. Cofield and Company. All right, I got a treat for you. Listen to these kids. Are they great? Beautiful, beautiful. Which kids greater what? Ah, they're wonderful ones. Uh-uh, watch your mouth. Your mothers might be listening now. That's very sweet. Back to Cofield and Company. There you go. One of Candy's favorites. A Pesci Christmas. A Pesci I was going to say, yeah. Uh, Joe Pesci and or Jim Brewer doing Joe Pesci. Either way. <laughs> sure. One of Vegas' favorites as well. Joe Pesci, so, sort of a key character as Spilatro in Casino. All right. Well, the news isn't super great with the Raiders uh, because they are putting guys on the COVID list left and right. The defensive backfield's already beat up with Mullen and Abram out. Now Faison's gone on there, and, you know, we're going to handicap the game a little bit more as the show moves along, but this is not a great look for this defense heading into a game against the wild man. He can make mistakes, Drew Locke, but he can also make plays. The thing about Drew Locke is if you go back to last year for pro football focus, they will tell you that his big-time throw percentage is very high, as is his turnover-worthy play percentage. Nobody threw the ball deep more last year than drew lock when he was broncos starter the problem was nobody was less accurate on the deep ball than drew lock so he's going to be willing to take chances and for the raiders what that really means is if you're short in the defensive secondary you got to avoid those defensive pass interference calls that's really the biggest challenge for the raiders when it comes to the deep passing game it's not about are you going to give up 30 40 50 yards a pop on a completion it's making sure you don't give it up by knocking down receivers and by the way uh, add Roderick Teamer and Jermaine Illuminor to the COVID list as well for the Raiders yep Nate Hobbs is the other defensive back I didn't mention so they're beat the hell 
on the back end. I wonder what Raiders fans who have been livid about the fully vac status at the stadium are thinking right now as the season hangs in the balance really across the NFL depending on who's on the list in a lot of ways who's on the list and who's not. I mean, think about how many teams have had upwards of 20 players on the COVID list. And think about last week when the Raiders were mad. They were mad as hell that they had to move their game back because of the Browns, because the Raiders did everything right. None of their people had COVID. And guess what? They learned the same lesson that all of us are learning right now. You cannot avoid this thing. You cannot avoid this thing. And you know what? Mark Davis made a smart choice when it came to requiring the vaccine for everybody coming into the stadium. It didn't look that way to a lot of people as the Delta surge died down a little bit. But you know what? The decision wasn't made in a vacuum. It wasn't made for week one. It was made for weeks one through 18. And it was made to protect the community. And now think about it. If you're going out there on Sunday, in the middle of this Omicron surge when you still have family in town. I don't know, man. Feels to me like Mark Davis made the right call. Thursday night football is on the way here at Silver Sevens. Uh, when the game kicks off, the beers go to 77 cents. That's Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. We've got prizes down here to uh, grab before the big Niner Titans game. So uh, get on down to Silver Sevens at that Flamingo and Paradise. I thought that point that Ryan Harris made about late entrance into the bowl system was really interesting when he talked about the experience for the players, getting to go on a trip, and also the gifts they get. Uh, I definitely want to hit that with Michael Felder, who's also a former college football player. He played at North Carolina, but uh, Mike and I, uh, I definitely want to hit on that and also get to some of the key games and the quarterback transfer portal. There's so much going on right now around the world of college football. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company live at Silver Sevens on the eve of Christmas Eve. We all have the holiday spirit. Well, not everyone on Cofield and Company. I think our guests do. Michael Felder is up to talk a little college football in our regular Thursday spot. He's the CFB expert from Stadium. You can follow him on Twitter at In the Bleachers. Felder, please tell me you're not anti Christmas. Yeah, I am. Oh, no. Yeah, I hate it. I I, I truly, (laughs) um, it's not. Like in the words of, there's a comedian that I follow, Ben Rogers, and he, I think he put it the most succinctly, which was, I wish there was a war on Christmas and I wish Christmas lost. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, but here's the thing, but I got to do it, right? I got a kid, so I got to do it. I got a wife who likes it, so I got to do it. But I try to minimize my role. I actually got a text yesterday from my sister-in-law because we visited them and she was like, oh, Michael, you never opened up your Christmas present. And I was like, that's fine. I don't I don't care. Like, I, it's I, it doesn't matter. I, when everyone started opening presents on we did like a Felder Christmas of like all my family together. And when everyone started opening presents, I took a shower and then I started making food, started cooking lunch so that I didn't have to be involved in the process. Why don't you like opening gifts? I just don't like if I want something, I'll just buy it for myself. Nobody needs to get me anything. And yeah. I just don't. 
to me, the best part of opening gifts is is throwing all the stuff in the trash. I don't like the hustle and bustle, the rigmarole of, of 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 paper everywhere and glitter, and you get. It's, I just don't. I'm not into it. I'm not into it. I just am. Um, I love to get things that people want, things that people need for them. I love get, I love buying gifts for people. Yep. I also don't need to be there when they open them. I don't want to see them open them. I mean, I listen. I went to a birthday party for a for a for a three year old that had thirty five gifts, and I was like, "We're going to go through all of this. This is a waste of time." Happy holidays, everybody! There he is, Michael Felder. No, well, I get other, it. Here, I get here, it. I, I'll get even deeper into the like the psychology of it all. Yeah, yeah. The, here's the other part of it. Here's the other part of it, Cofield. Growing up, I hated knowing that the weekend after Thanksgiving. My mom was going to ask me to go out to the shed to bring in the Christmas decorations. And I dreaded that year after year after year. I just dreaded her asking me to bring in the Christmas decorations. And then I also worked at a toy store from when I was 15 until I was like 24. And we had free gift wrap. So I've wrapped a million presents. I prefer that the presents are unwrapped. Let me tell you, (laughs) folks, Michael Felder has put up a video of his gift wrapping. And I've got a table set up downstairs in my house where my girlfriend and I have been wrapping gifts uh-huh. and I am so bad at it and I get worse and I when I watched your gift wrapping video I was like I am so jealous you are an absolute pro yeah I have listen that one of the jokes I listen I'm the best rapper alive <laughs> and not that kind <laughs> I have been I have been but I've but I've wrapped more gifts than most people will wrap in their entire life yep so yeah yeah that's just I just I'm not into it I think I think Thanksgiving. We've said this before. I think this Thanksgiving is the holiday that Christmas wishes it was. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, all right, let's get into college football because, uh, well, we're complaining. I guess we can complain about you know. Yesterday, I went like full uh, crazy preacher and just started screaming on the air about "Damn you to hell, COVID! Get out of yeah. here!" Because. Mm-hmm. We got a mess here. Uh, I want to get to Texas A&M and the Gator Bowl in a second, but you know the the games that we we care about the most, the CFP, the Final Four. We're seeing Bama coaches test positive. Yep. We're seeing some Georgia players, and then they come out. Uh, the folks who run the the college football playoff, they come out with some some new rules, I guess, or maybe they were in uh-huh. place. And it's like, wait, you're not going to reschedule the games? Is this going to be championed by forfeit? This is lunacy. Yeah, it's it's it, like it it there, it starts on a lot of different levels. Like the first level is is that that the, these guys are going home, so they go home, and who knows what everybody's doing at home, right? Yeah. Who knows who's following protocol? Who know, like you're you once you leave that bubble, once you leave that that fixed existence, you're subject to anything, and doesn't matter if you're going back to California, or you're going to Georgia, or you're going to Texas, you're going wherever. People are just, are, especially in Michigan. Like, I'm very curious to see what their stuff looks like because I think hopefully Michigan is trying to keep their kids all together because they know they've got an opportunity. But it's you don't you're subject to all that. And then the next part of it is is that once it hits, the contact tracing is huge. And we're seeing, I mean, look, the NHL just shut down things, right? For for the rest of the for the for like what, a week and a half, two weeks? They just decided we're out. And the NBA is going through their own thing and Kyrie's coming back and then Kyrie's not coming grand opening grand closing on Kyrie right (laughs) right right. so it's um there's a lot of factors here and because it's that weird season of go home come back they don't have as much control which means there's not as much figuring out 
there's not you can't control what other people are doing. You can't control what your aunt does or you can't control what your uncle does or your cousin or whoever. So when you see them at home, they have an opportunity to essentially, as we're seeing right now, cost you a chance at maybe going to the national championship game. I view this as a threat more than reality. I think they're trying right. to go with the most hardcore outcome to tell everyone, you know, Warren, Georgia, Alabama, if you haven't been doing it, do it. Cincy, Michigan, right? get your act together. Like, they're going to move the games. I mean, the, first of all, if it's the two SEC teams that are most affected, give me a break. The SEC runs college football. Yeah. You think they're going to freaking stand for, oh, it's a forfeit, and you just move on and, you know, name a champion? That is crazy. So, but, but I tell you what, it's a means to an end because I would be scared as hell. Right. Like you just said, if I'm these four teams, I'm like, sorry, guys. Actually, you know what they need to do is bring in Michael Felder and talk about Christmas. And they'll be like, you know what? Christmas sucks. I don't want to go home. Yeah. It, I mean, I just I think at the end of the day, what we're dealing with are teams that um, that gap from exams to going home to coming back is really rough, especially because these teams are all going to travel together. So they come back a little bit earlier. But you, you still have to come back. You still come back from home and you still are doing you're still you know doing things and it's just so it's so rough to try and stay in control of this entire situation so we'll see what happens i agree with you i think they will likely move those games but then the other side of that coin and you you work in events you've cut you work in events you you do a bunch of stuff with unlv right yep yep i was at a game last night so you know that it's hard that's moving a mountain to reschedule the event because it's not just affecting the players on the field it's not just affecting the fans in the stands or the, the the media in the stands, but did that trickle down to the restaurants and the hotels and all these things that have already been booked and set up? That's a extra, that's a ton of extra stuff in the works. You know what I mean? So rescheduling those games does it does impact stuff, and whether that means you have to refund the money or it means you have to hope that they can hope you got to. And we live in a country that doesn't do very well when it comes to time off in general, right? So <laughs> the idea of people being like, I took this specific day off. I always get New Year's off. I always get New Year's Eve, New Year's off. We can move. We can do that. And then to move it around, that causes a problem. Yep. We saw people flipping out. A lot of Raiders fans were like, hey, I just got screwed You know, with the game yes. in Cleveland last Saturday being moved to Monday. We had media people on the road for two days in Cleveland. To four, which for some of them, that was a living hell. Uh, so yep. Gator Bowl is not canceled. They're not moving it. Texas A&M is out because of COVID. So Wake Rutgers. is looking around. And now, yeah, Rutgers is in. I'd love to just have someone from Rutgers. If, if you know anyone, if anyone knows anyone, I'd love to hear what it's like putting this together logistically. Yeah. Yeah. Because bowl travel is such an interesting piece of the puzzle with college football that I don't think enough people really think I don't, about. I didn't know. I didn't know some of the stuff you guys were talking about up on Twitter. Go add in the bleachers, folks, on Twitter. And I know you and Roddy White were doing a show the other day, a podcast, and I had no idea there was travel money and the complications there. And then someone chimed in with like what Lou Holtz did. Explain it to the yeah. audience: the travel money for bowl games. Right. So there's two different ways to get to a bowl game. Right. There's there's each player travels themselves individually to a bowl game or the team travels to the bowl game. If it's team travel, then you don't get any money. The team keeps you on, on campus, and then the team travels you on the plane. But if it's individual travel, what ends up happening is you get yourself to the bowl game, which means they take the distance or the, the excuse me, they take the flight or the car ride or whatever it is. That's the most money for you to get. Basically, they're paying last-minute prices for these tickets. 
And so you can fly yourself to a ball game or you can drive yourself to a ball game and whatever money you have left over, they give you the highest amount they can give you. And then whatever's left over, you get to keep. So for me, I went to, the only ball game we played in was in Charlotte. I was already at home for Christmas. Our, we had to report on Christmas Day. They gave me $350 to go eight miles. Oh, wow. Because they booked the travel from Chapel Hill, which means I had to go to Raleigh, to the airport, fly to Charlotte, Charlotte, car to the hotel. And they booked my travel based on that. And that's where, that's why I got 350 bucks. I had a kid, we had we played with a kid from like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, wow. Guy's making like 2,500 bucks. And he just stayed in Chapel Hill the whole time and rode down with some friends <laughs> to the to the to report to the ball game. But it's it's a very interesting thing, especially in the case of Rutgers, where they got kids all over the place, and those kids have to get to Florida <laughs> for the Gator Bowl. And there's kids that live in Florida who are going to get their travel charge from New Jersey to Florida, and then there's other kids who live in New Jersey who are going to get their Rutgers to Florida. And there's kids that live in. Uh, they got a couple kids on that roster from what, Ohio and Michigan. They're going to go from there to Florida, and that's going to count. They're going to probably have to spend the money is the problem. Right. That's the problem for them is they're going to have to spend the money instead of finding a creative solution, whether it's carpooling. Because one of the big things for us was, like, guys would carpool so that all your money didn't get used up <laughs> on the trip. Right. right. So you could keep something because that's the money you use to buy your family Christmas gifts. You get your girlfriend something all those things, but it's, it's a very interesting ecosystem with respect to college football. Yeah, I never thought of that. Have you been really surprised by any of the moves? I think regional transfers, like, you know, cross, you know, three time zones is kind of interesting. I, I guess Pittsburgh and yeah. Narduzzi are developing this reputation as like the quarterback whisperer school, Keaton Slovis to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Slovis to Pittsburgh and shout out to my guy, Max Brown, who's just like, yep, I did it. Now yep. he's doing it. I figured, it. I figured. We got a pipeline, but I also think it's going to be interesting without Mark Whipple, who's who's going to take another job, how that works out. Uh, I think Spitzer Rattler, obviously, to South Carolina is interesting. I think the most interesting quarterback transfer hasn't happened yet, and that's uh, Emory Jones. Emory Jones is at Florida. He, by all reports, is going to transfer. What do you think of that? I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds of it. One, like in theory, you're like, yeah, I understand. You got to take care of yourself. I think this is all based on the accelerated national signing day, which is screwing everything up, which creates all these coaching changes and yeah. all that stuff, which I've lamented about plenty of times. People don't need to hear that from me. But I think that's a massive fuel to this fire. But at the end of the day, I think it's listen, if you want to get out of there, you want to get out of there. But I also think that it does speak to especially guys that are going to transfer, but do want to finish it out. I think that there is something really, I don't know. I think it speaks to the sort of the brotherhood that you build, right? Like Emory Jones doesn't need to play in the, in the, in the, in the football game. Right. He doesn't need to play in the Gasparilla bowl to, for anything. He can leave and he's going to get picked up by somebody and he's going to play somewhere else next year, but he wants to finish it out with his guys, right? This is their last ride. And, and, and by last ride, I mean, specifically, their last ride as a football team together, right. him and his guys, the guys that he's spent the last three years with, it's their last ride because they got a new coach coming in and who knows what the new coach is going to do and who knows who the new coach is going to like or not like. And so you, 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 you're like, you know what, guys, I want to have a good time with my boys, my last run with my guys. And I think that's really, 
don't know. I think I, I do find. Oh my goodness! I didn't. I think there's something special about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Might get an emotional. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but I kind of like it. Um, like you said, hey, there's there's something about finishing things out. You also, you know, non-COVID times, you get to enjoy a full bowl week, which is oh yeah, friggin' I mean, listen, super cool. I, I feel so bad for these guys. The last two years, probably going to go into three years of just getting robbed of a real actual bowl week. Yeah. Um, for folks that don't know, bowl week is like. You get your travel money, which we've already talked about, but then you get anywhere from $50 to $100 a day in per diem. And let me tell you something. When you talk about the city really opening up for you, they let you do anything, and you get to get buck wild. There are sanctioned events. Like we had, we did uh, NASCAR racing uh, where we got into NASCARs and rode around the state, rolled around the, the Richard Petty driving experience. We did that. We had an eat-off against Boston College. But then there's unsanctioned events, and those unsanctioned events, let me tell you something. One team had to have a curfew. The other team did not need a curfew. And the team that did not need a curfew absolutely won the football game because the team that needed a curfew, my team, we were we were in a gentleman's club late, late, late. Our, our team bus dropped us off at a gentleman's club, and we were in that – we were in there deep, and we were hanging out. And so it just wow. – you get the experience like – it's a it's a great part of life. You just have a lot of fun, and it's one of those things where you you get 115 dudes who've spent every single day together over the course of you know anywhere from a year to to, to four years or five years. And you all really know how to party, Michael Felder. Uh, last thing to get to, uh, you're in Chicago. You're from North Carolina. Are you moving? Are you going to sell your house? I heard you uh, you got a big uh, opportunity on the phone to sell your house. What's going on here? Yeah. I Listen, I, myself, like many other people in America, are getting calls from <laughs> yes. cold calls from people trying to buy your house. And I did tell her I would sell my house. 100% will sell my house. And she said, how much? And I said, $17 million. And she hung up the phone. It's uh, kind of mean, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> it just is. Um you often, I know uh, when we talk to you, you do the, uh, these spots from your kitchen. Uh, at times you could be cooking. as Because you, 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 Michael loves to freaking cook. Um, Love it. Is there a possibility that you need a new house and a second kitchen? I, I heard you, uh, or I saw you on Twitter talking about having a second kitchen. I'd love to have a second kitchen. It would it would make my day. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I would 100% love to have a second kitchen especially for for cooking things that get a little bit more smelly than what you want especially for like <laughs> it, like when you're like if you're frying you're frying something you don't want your whole house to smell like that if you get a second kitchen a basement kitchen you're going to be in you're you got it made in the shape awesome well you know we started out michael was going on a rant about christmas <laughs> but i know he likes christmas and uh i know you've got the uh the family there so i hope you have a great time this is for the kids in the end so i'm sure you guys are gonna have a lot of fun and we appreciate you carving out some time for us so happy holidays to everyone in the felder family thank you so much man it's always great to talk to you happy holidays to everyone yeah i listen i do the christmas cards i do all that stuff i just if it if i could avoid the wrapping and the decorating that'd go that'd go hard for me there you go we'll see you buddy felder follow michael felder on twitter at In the Bleachers, he's part of Stadium. He's their college football expert. He does a ton of podcasts throughout the week, ranging from uh, gardening to cooking to his biggest expertise, college football. 
at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account.